Glory to God. Ain't no way. It's awesome to see the people of God that's ready to come to learn of him. I want you all to put yourself in a mindset that today is the first day of your salvation. Oh, see, that was good to me just now. I didn't even see that coming. Holy Spirit himself just said that. See, this has to happen every day. Every day has to be your first day of salvation. See, because just like some relationships and friendships, you get too familiar with your spouse. You get too familiar with your friends. The newness of the first day, the, your first interaction, the intimacy. There is a principle first in the word of God. The first is the, the place of the impact. It's the place of the original experience. The first. The first has a lasting impression. The first governs and drive your choices of what comes next. The first. The first has a power that nothing else that comes after it has. This is not even my message, but I'm talking about the first. <laughs> and the reason I want us to go back to the first day of salvation is because that was real to you. You experienced all of your sins being washed away. For those who really did Romans 10, 9, and you repented for your sins. You, you experienced all the heaviness and what you was going through being lifted up. You felt for the first time absolutely free from the torment of what you was going through. You felt for the first time love that you couldn't understand. We're talking about the first. And with our salvation, I want to really bring to you today that those who desire to be delivered, to be saved, have to be desperate. Those who desire, crave, to be delivered, to be freed of the turmoil, the, the harshness of the world, and the cares that it brings. You have to be desperate. You have to be desperate every day of your life for your salvation. I realized in my teaching, because I've been studying the, the body of Christ, as to why we find it to be a struggle to be saved. To love. To remain married. To love. See, but you can't remain a part of something that you was never a part of. 
That's why God says what I put together, no man can put asunder. He said it's not breakable because what he does is forever. So this means that if you could, it wasn't of God. Because what he does is forever. And I say that through experience. I was divorced twice. I was 19 the first time I got married. I was, don't know what love is. Don't know what life is. Second time, because it was going through, see, the enemy knows when to come when you're weak. When you're confused, when you feel like you need love. You need attention. So it comes when you, freshly comes out of a divorce. Or at least thinking about it. I'm going to reach all those areas. <laughs> and the thing about it is, he comes at a place of your greatest frustration. And then, senior day, what you look for is this. You look for comfort. So when we look for comfort, what happens is you find an addiction. See, a lot of times we think in addiction it has to be drug, alcohol. It's anything that you find comfort in that's not God. It could be ice cream. Donuts. Working out. Workaholic. Lying, all that. See, you find comfort in that. This is how you're entrapped and deceived that you are not oppressed by the enemy. Is everybody else got something wrong with them? It's you. It's me. It's you. No, it's you. This is why we can't live together. Because I found an addiction. See, I got frustrated. Somewhere on the journey, somebody got frustrated. Frustrated so much that you stopped. You stopped the journey. And this is what happened in our, in our relationship with God. Life, you're frustrated in life. Things happen to you. Happen to your family, the ones that you love. You get overwhelmed and frustrated. So I look for comfort. Depression. Y'all, I'm not even, I'm in my message. So today's teaching... <laughs> The title, if you would need one, Deliverance is for the Desperate. And I learned in this study, deliverance as we know it is not deliverance. 
I was truly messed up. You know, all who have been brought up in church, you know how we've been taught deliverance. Locking the door because they locked me in. Apostolic church. They locked me in there. Those mothers, I mean, they had me pinned down in a corner on the pew. Call on Jesus. I called on him. Satan came first, though. Yeah, he came first. He came first, you know, and this was true deliverance. It took me, it doesn't have to take you long. It depends what spirit has been following your bloodline for so many generations. You know, and this is what the fight is about mostly up against is generational curse. What's in the bloodline? And what happens is that you you can't seem, see, but we don't see that the other person is dealing with the same thing. We, don't, we find no mercy. We find no mercy to extend to them because we too involved in Interwoven in our bloodline. We're in the church. We're serving. We, I guess you're a abiding citizen <laughs> of the law of the land and also the kingdom <laughs> to be determined. But what happens is that we, we're not aware of the working on what's on the bloodline. And it's such a deception because when the enemy get finished with you, you think that you are right and you're well put together. That's why it's always someone else. Because you, you have it together. So today's teaching is to bring us to the moment of absolute truth. Do you want to come there? Do you want to go there? This teaching is to bring you to the moment of absolute, in caps, truth about your eternal citizenship and the governmental rulership you're under. Kingdom of God or kingdom of darkness? Kingdom of God or kingdom of Satan? This is the moment of absolute truth. We're in a dispensation of the end of the age. Where Christians hate love of the truth. They hate it. This is not me. That means they, they hate righteousness, but they love the lie, unrighteousness. Things in their character that has to be developed. And so you're told in those areas, and you hate the truth. <laughs> yeah, some ministers can, you, you can attest to that. So through your, you being disciplined by your spiritual leaders, 
We had some of you to raise up against us. Okay. See, we force. It's by force that, that they have to operate in truth in here because we will bring it to open exposure. This is a ministry where you cannot hide. Where demons don't reside here. They may visit because you welcome the man to come in with you. But we deal with the people of God, where they're at and what they're going through in their mindset. And you can't be afraid to say what really is. And in a lot of our relationship with your own self, with your spouse, and your children, you were afraid to say what really was. Afraid because you're emotional, you're going to leave, you're going to be upset with me, you can't believe I said it, you can't believe I said the truth. Hear me. But I tell you some things to puff up, to puff you up, your ego, and you love that. Give me more of that. Affirm me. Affirm me. <laughs> We're talking about the church. Which kingdom? Which rulership? Which lordship are you under? This is the moment of truth. Who's ruling you? Who have you submitted under? The kingdom of God or the kingdom of Satan? Because if you're submitted under the kingdom of God, there are going to be a lot of people around you that love you that will hate you. Because when you, when you begin to love the truth, those around you, it will show if they love the truth. They won't hate you because they love righteousness. My God. So when we become or in that place of not loving the truth or righteousness, we promote or put ourselves in a position to be indifferent to the voice of God. I know, you know, look, check this out, Pastor. I know the word says, don't forsake yourself to come together to assemble. Right with the people of God. But I'm tired tonight. Indifferent to the voice of God. Oh. All of his commands and his the condition of relationship. Can we agree that you're supposed to have a relationship with God? And there's certain responsibility and accountability and the relationship. The question is, how are you upholding your part of your relationship with whichever kingdom you're under? 
<laughs> We're doing this. We're compromised. So when you are not listening or you're indifferent to the voice of God, you begin to develop a compromising behavior. Yeah, I could. Today, I, I might read the word. I, see, I don't, I'm not going to really, you know, I know the word of God says, I, you know, extend your hand. It says to kneel, prostrate, lay, pray, praise him. It says all that. So what I'll do, I'll compromise. I'll just sit in my seat and lower down my head. Compromise. Places we go, things we do. No, you shouldn't be there. No, you shouldn't be doing it. But what do you do? We compromise. You know why? Because the world says we should have a balanced life. What are you in church all the time for? The world. We need to have a balanced life. I don't know about you, but for me, when you lay down your whole life, <laughs> it brings absolute balance because it brings a sober mind. And I don't need the things of the world to bring me comfort. See, you still need comfort. So I compromise with my relationship with God instead of compromising with a relationship with your friends. Okay. Okay. <laughs> this behavior causes us to overlook, to rationalize, and to justify evil. This demonic activity in our life, it weakens the strength of resistance. It weakens your strength to resist the enemy. And so then it invites and it prepares the way for more frequent and violent assault. More violent assault and temptation from the adversary. Afflicting. See, the, the enemy, the question is, how does he get in? How does the enemy get in? He actually afflicts. And infiltrate, he infiltrate your attitude. He infiltrate your attitude by what you're thinking, what you're saying. And so what he does, he comes in, oh my God, I have to get to what a demon is, and I'm going to talk more about how he get in. I'm just going to discuss a few key words. Jesus. We get too familiar with the name Jesus. Because that was a very common name. But that's not his name. The root of it is Joshua. Salvation. So when you're saying Jesus, you're saying your expression towards that name should be salvation. 
when you call Jesus, you're calling deliverance. Uh, when you call Jesus, you're calling healer, mind regulator. See, when you, he is salvation. He's not mere man. He's just giving you a fixed point of reference for the humanity part of you. Call me Jesus, the Christ. Oh, come on. Ah, glory. See, that the name Jesus, salvation, deliverance, deliverance from your way of thinking. So when I say Jesus, he comes and he delivers my mind. He gives me a sober way of thinking when I say Jesus. It's a, when I call his name, I'm executing a request of his presence to manifest. Oh, no, 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 no. When I call you, I say, star, minister star. It call you out from where you're at and you come. It brings your presence to me. And when you bring your presence to me, it brings a full expression of who you are. He's the Christ, the anointed son of God. He's sovereign. So when you call Jesus, you're calling power. You're calling the son of God. He's everywhere. He's in everything. He said, you can't go anywhere that I'm not there. Keyword, Jesus. My God. I want you to start to reflect and think of him differently now. Demon. What is a demon? Believe it or not, it's persons without bodies. No. Persons. Persona, personality, without bodies. It's all who make what you're made up of, your personality, persona, intelligence. How does the enemy come and infiltrate your attitude? He comes through your personality. Oh, my God. He comes through your personality by something you said. He comes. He See, this is why it says a person without body. Because only a person can send you thoughts, words. The enemy whispers. He give you words. He make you feel. He make you think a certain way. He bring you thoughts and your personality. So you have someone who's a manic depression or, or they, we say in bipolar or you just angry all the time. Someone who's angry all the time and and it's towards their loved ones. You know they don't want to be. 
You know they don't truly want to be. But guess what? They can't control it because it's part of their personality. Oh, Jesus. So when you say, it's just, this is just who I am. You're absolutely right. The enemy has infiltrated your personality. Don't ever say that again as a believer. Because I am just the way I am. No, I am born again. I'm born of Christ. It's not this is just me. This is how I do things. This is how I talk. This is what family do. They argue, they fight, they fuss. This is what family, no. Not the born again family. But the family that has been infiltrated through their personality. Yeah, you got that right. So they're angry. They can't control it, Minister Brandy. Look, and they want to. Oh, my God. This is, this is what is so heartbreaking that we can't see. We're so angry at the person, but it's what's influencing their personality. See, when it influences your personality, it influences their intelligence. And they are acting like a pure fool. What is wrong with you? I just said, can we uh, turn up the, the heat? And you just went off. See, I'm just small stuff just going off. What just happened here? I just walked in the room. And you said, now, now there you go. It's something else. Every time, every time I open up my mouth, I can't seem to say nothing right. Personality been infiltrated. <laughs> I'm just letting you know. Demons, see, their objective is to keep you from knowing Christ. So they get you on, he'll get you on the onset of not doing Romans 10-9. But after you do Romans 10-9, his, now his ultimate goal now is to get you to be ineffective in the kingdom. You're in the kingdom, but you are, you're angry. Can't nobody use you. You can't love nobody. You can't forgive. See, ineffective in the kingdom. You're always going through something. See, but believers, they're always coming out. I don't go through, I go to. <laughs> See, this is what we say. So you should have what you say. Stay up, baby girl. You are up at the pageant, so stay up here. See, we see in the word of God. See, young people, this is about your life. This is about your life, your future. You didn't, you didn't, you didn't go to sleep at the pageant. Hello? Do y'all go to sleep at events that you go to? Let me know. Because if you do, you probably have some kind of condition to where, you know, you just ready to black out or something. 
As a teacher, I don't play that. Because you know what? That's a spirit of slumber. They don't want you to hear it. The enemy do not want you to hear what is going to save your life. So we're talking about how the enemy wants to really hold us back from being productive in our entire life. This thing here. He, but he's defeated for those who would submit under the kingdom of God. See, the personality is that which constitutes, and actually it's the character of the person. It's the constitution of the person. Oh, Jesus, it's the law that's governing the person. You can't help but be nasty. You can't help but to be fickle because that's your person. Look, it's your personality. This word person or in Latin is persona, right? It's derived from the mask through which an actor spoke his part, persona, from being applied to the mask. It came next to be applied to the actor that put on the mask and then to the character that was acted out in the mask. So we shouldn't be wearing any mask. Because when you put on the world, you have to act it out now. I have to act it out because, look, it attaches to my personality. It, it, look, it consumes your character. <laughs> then lastly, it takes over your feeling and your thinking and your act of being, your existence. Deliverance, key word. Not what we've been taught. What is this? Draw out. Make an escape. Cause to escape. To save. The uses of deliverance focus on God's removal of those who are in the midst of trouble or danger. It's God's removal of you <laughs> from your thinking. It's simply words that have you in a place of bondage. Cast not a demon. It's from your, he's casting you out. He's providing escape from out of trouble and danger. All of the working is here. Is that God, when you, look, when you submit under his lordship, he shows and provides an escape out. Because while you're in bondage, you see no escape. You see your situation. You see your circumstance. So you see your circumstance. 
I see no way out. But the word of God says, I've already provided a way of escape. Deliverance. Salvation is healing, it's protection, it's preserving, make whole, keep safe, sound minded. That's the one. Minister Mark 1 21 through 28, please, which is our foundation scripture here. Mark chapter 1 at verse 21. And they entered into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath he went into the synagogue and began to teach. And they were completely astonished at his teaching, for he was teaching as one who possessed authority, and not as the scribes. Just at that time there was in their synagogue a man who was in the power of an unclean spirit. And now immediately he raised a deep and terrible cry mm -hmm. from the depths of his throat, saying, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, mm. the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him, saying, Hush up, be muzzled, gagged, and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, throwing the man into convulsions and screeching with a loud voice, came out of him. And they were all so amazed and almost terrified that they kept questioning and demanding one of another, saying, what is this? What new, fresh teaching? What authority? He gives orders even to the unclean spirits and they obey him. And immediately, rumors concerning him spread everywhere throughout all the regions surrounding Galilee. So what, what is being said here in Mark? Capernaum, first of all, is a place where Apostle Peter, pretty much his hometown, And what is going on first, Capernaum itself is or symbolizes a place of compassion, a place that's surrounded with borders, place of protection. It's a place of covering of repentance. <laughs> Is a place that Christ goes to, and in that place, in the synagogue, was a man that was in the power or under the power of an evil spirit. See, the casting out of demons we need to understand is not how it's to be understood. The enemy had power over the man's personality. And believe it or not, 
there is a lot of time when a person is sick in their body, most of the time it's contributed to a demonic power. And all the things that God asks us to do, we tend not to do. Not to be resentful, to forgive, to love. To not gossip, not murder with the mouth. And when all those things happen, you get sick from some of these things physically. Because your personality, again, has been infiltrated, which causes you to look malfunction in your thinking. And believe it or not, your thoughts are physical. And they affect your physical body. The first thing that Jesus does after he received the baptism of the Holy Spirit is that he himself is being tempted. He goes out into the wilderness. But the first miracle that he did was to cast out demons. The question is, why isn't the church casting out demons? This is the first thing that was done. He told him to, he's told the enemy, and the question is, why did he tell him to muzzle, be quiet, be silent? The enemy said, we know who you are. And his time hadn't come yet. They said, you're the holy one, you're Christ. Muzzle your, muzzle your mouth. And the reason he was saying that is because Christ's time hasn't come yet. My question was, was the man saved? He was in the synagogue. The study said that this man came here often. He came often. And just the presence of the Lord he knew it. Look, he knew salvation. <laughs> he knew salvation had come. <laughs> and he said, and your time is not yet. Why are you here? See, when I understand, the demon knew before his disciples knew. The demon said, what business do you have with me? You're here before your time. The adversary knew Jesus' time had not yet come. It took a year and a half before his apostle knew that he was the Christ. Still yet now, some of us still don't know that he's the, the Christ. He said, if you, you know me, you wouldn't seek to kill me. And you kill me with the way that you live. 
we crucify him afresh with how we live and what we do, how we behave. The question is, will you be made whole today? Will you be delivered? Will you be saved? Will you see the way of escape? Will you see the freedom from affliction, from your body and your soul? When Jesus did deliverance, it was healing. This is why he said, come out. You're afflicting the person. This is a, look, dis-ease. He didn't pray for healing. He said, behold. He didn't pray in a condition of sickness. Hear me. He said, will you be whole? There was a woman who, were, who was bent over for 18 years. You always hear about the woman who had the issue of blood. But this was a woman who was bent over for 18 years. And Jesus cast out the demon and said that the woman stood straight up. 18 years, she never stood straight up. See, but it's something that has been afflicting you. That's been causing you not <laughs> to think and act and live right. That you guys go, is 118. Got a lot more, but... <laughs> <laughs> all right, so, all right, shake, all right, y'all, y'all ready? Pastor, can I get some water? Oh, no, oh, not you, Pastor, but um, Minister Brandon, she has it. Thank you. Y'all working me up. Y'all see I'm going to have her time. Right? I want to talk a little bit about... Um, Y'all see, I'm gonna have a time. The adversary, how he present himself, but you don't see that he's presenting himself in this way. His characteristics or his activities is to entice, harass, torment, compel, enslave. Entice means that he comes through your thoughts, affecting your emotions, Mainly your will. He entice, trying to get your will. Harass. He wound people you love the most. When he harass, he wounds people you love the most. I can attest to that. My daughter Gabby, 26. Left home too early. 
struggling. She's out there in the street. She's struggling. When I say she's out there in the streets, I mean that she's not in a place that God would have her to be. So if you're not in the kingdom, you're out in the streets. And I've been harassed. I haven't shared this even with Pastor, my husband. I haven't shared this, but I've been harassed for the past 30 days about my loved one. Because it's one thing you got a son, you don't want them out there, but something about the girl. I'm seeing it. He's giving me images. He's making me feel and think. But then I, I, I say to the word, but Lord God, in your word, you said you're keeping. Lord God, have mercy on her. Lord God, bring to her remembrance everything I have imparted in her spirit. Harassment from the enemy. Is a reality. He wound people you love the most. I looked at her one day and I said, you don't look like my Gabby. But when your children grow up and they want their own independence, they become their own person, their own will. Pray. Pray harder. Pray harder. Amen. Pray harder. His activity is to compel, to make us do what we really don't want to do. He compels you to do what you don't want to do. And when he does that, he then enslaves you, bring you back into bondage. And he defile your body, then he deceives you. Demon operates in gangs and groups. Pride, rebellion, fear, and with fear comes rejection, emotional problems, and this rejection is due to a breakup of the family. It's a breakup of the family, an onset at an early age. It starts here. A child's sense of security is the love and care of the father. No matter what the mother does, she can't, she can't fill that void. And we overcompensate because of that with our children. When it's missing something, when the child is missing something, it, it cries out, I don't know who I am. The child cries out, I don't know if people really love me. This is how you become people pleaser. The father is not in the home. The unit has been divided. And the unit is a whole. Common group that he runs in is resentment. Those who can't take anymore. Disappointed. Start to feel lonely. Misery. You're very miserable now. 
Then depression comes on, which is self-destruction, and then suicide. The enemy has a plan. This is what he comes with with the mind. Stay with me. Unbelief. Then doubt. Doubt mentally, the mind. Then you compromise. When you doubt, you compromise. Then when you start to compromise, it brings on forgetfulness. Confusion. Lies. And in some cases, insanity. The mind. Sex is a major area of influence that the enemy work in. We know the long list, porn, uh, any real, real young people? <laughs> okay. All right, so adultery, and these sins, you normally you suffer from sins from other people in your family. So just know it's a long list, and I'm sure you can fill in the blank. Lust, the other strong desire. We talk about alcohol and nicotine, but gluttony, that's the one. Ultimately, this is what kills us. Physical body, this is all the activity of, of demons. Epilepsy, in most cases. Now, it's not in all cases, arthritis, stress. Stress is a person, not a condition. Stress is a person, not a condition. But what happens is it manifests into a condition. Number one killer, migraines. Anything related with head pain and nerve pains. Head and nerve pains. See, because the enemy wants to mess the mind. This is why I praise the hardest when I have a migraine. I'm not staying home. That's not where my, look, that's not where my escape is. Oh, glory. Jesus, come on now. Oh, my God. We're talking about head pains and nerve pain. So I praise him and I say to myself, if I could just praise you, Lord. See, I, I put my mind on what's good. Within myself, within my inner man, I say, if I could but praise you. So I start to say, I can. So I thank you, Lord God. And then, then look, then the praise start. Look, the, the praise builds up. And it gets bigger. And it's, it, the bigger it gets, it, it just pushes out all the pain. Oh, y'all not ready. You're not ready. Within myself, Pastor, touch the hem of his garment. Allergies.
apologies. Not all, but some. Death. Spirit of death. It comes through my mom, and my mom did. She, she passed at the age of 48, massive heart attack. So, again, the thought, the enemy tries to infiltrate the personality look, of what is my constitution, which is the word of God. See, but I would have to doubt in or believe his thoughts. To violate ha, my constitution. <laughs> Pastor. <laughs> what happens is even when you go under, you have surgery, anesthesia, right? What happens is this is another opportunity. This has to be very careful. You have to really pray when they put you under. You're not asleep. But look, the control of your thoughts are not there. I told the doctor one time, the pastor was with me, I was going to have surgery. And I hadn't even discovered this study yet. And the doctor was telling all the side effects and before this, I, I said, mm-mm, stop. I said, just take me on through. I said, do your job. I know everything you have written down. I, I read it. I don't need you to declare this over me. Whether you understood what I was saying or not, Muzzle your mouth. How demon invade your life while you're in the womb? Prenatal influence. Is you start to say, and thank you, Pastor, because I tell you, the prophetess is able to yield and bring forth to me. My daughter would say, I'm not having no kids. I'm saying it. I'm not going to have no kids. He said, he said, stop saying that. Sometimes, and maybe not like we may have said, while the baby was in our womb, I wish I wasn't pregnant. What you've just done now is have declared rejection over your child's life. They are born feeling rejected. Not accepted. No one loves them. Easily offended. They're born with a, a, look, mental disability in the womb. Not thinking right. Because, look, because you weren't thinking right. You spoke wrong. And that opened the door for the enemy to infiltrate the personality of your own unborn child. Yeah. Death. Suicide spirit now is over you. Over the child. All of that. <laughs> it's, a long, it's a long list. Self-deliverance. We're coming up at the end. Be humble. Because pride will be your greatest barrier. 
Be honest. Call your problem by name. And think of the worst name to call it. See, you have to hate what it is. Be honest. Call your problem by name. In your own way. Without cursing out the thing. Think of the worst name you can call it. Because when you, look, when you're fussing and calling a person's name, you, at that moment, you hate them. You hate them. <laughs> at least you feel that way. We're talking about confess your faith in Christ. Do it again. Confess your faith in Christ. Because when you do that, that releases God to act as your high priest. Repent. Will yourself to accept personal responsibility of your sin. Repent means to will yourself to accept personal responsibility of a failed marriage. Release yourself. You need to see that you were part of it. Proverbs 28, 13 says, he who covers his sin will not prosper. He who covers his sin, Proverbs 28, 13, he who covers his sin will not prosper. He who will not expose the sin, call it by name, will not prosper. I'm prideful. I'm bitter. Resentful. Forgive all. Forgive everyone. And forgive is not an emotion. It is a decision. But you don't know what they did to me. Yeah, they molested you. Forgive them. It's not an emotion. It is a decision. Hate even the garment of sin that you think may be valuable. <laughs> because the word of God says, put on the garment of praise. I could go more in that area, but I'm not because I don't have time. Stand, <laughs> stand on the scripture. Let's go to 1 John 3, 8. You dear man of God. 1 As, John mm -hmm. chapter 3 and verse 8. It reads, but he who commits sin, who practices evil doing, is of the devil, takes his character from the evil one. For the devil has sinned violated the divine law from the beginning. The reason the Son of God was made manifest, visible, was to undo, destroy, loosen, and dissolve the works the devil has done. This deliverance happens or has to happen because it means that the kingdom of God has come. 
And the way that it happens, this deliverance, is that the two kingdoms must come together. When I say come together, is that they're presented at the same time. The kingdom of God and the kingdom of Satan. And what happens when they come together, the victory of the kingdom of God overthrows the kingdom of Satan by the works that you are delivered and snatched out, drawn from, and provided a way of escape to. The kingdom of heaven of God has come. When you can love those who have mistreated you. See, God got to work with me on one thing. This, see, somebody got this, just this one thing, and I'm almost there. <laughs> this one thing, and Pastor, I'm like, ah, you know, we got that one thing. I don't know about that one. <laughs> it's about infidelity, right? <laughs> Pastor, in his prior marriage, his, his ex-wife, she committed adultery on him twice, and he forgave. Oh, my God. I mean, you're different. You, oh, okay. I mean, I mean, who's counting, I guess, at this point, right? Oh, my God. So. <laughs> so, I'm, I'm like, um, now that one, you know, I'm thinking you know right now, Pastor. I mean, you having to lose your mind, do that, I, you know. Right now, see, God is working with me in this moment, right now with that one. <laughs> it's like, no, but look, I can. Look, I would have the ability, even though I don't feel like I would. Because he said he would for me. I'm like, should I put that to the test? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Y'all ain't. <laughs> hey, teacher. But the point of it is, the point of it is, <laughs> I, I got a question. Yes. The yes. point of it is, I won't save, and I forgave. Wow. And I ain't have the Holy Spirit That's speaking in tongues. That's real deep. So I want to know, what's the excuse with you? No, he was preparing me for my call so I can sit here and be justified to tell you you can forgive too. With the Holy Spirit. And I didn't have him. See, he knows. He knows. He knows I was going to serve him. Amen. Yes. Go ahead, teacher. <laughs> All right. Just need to, just, I just want to know why you can't forgive. Feel to the top. Overflowing. I didn't know your God then. It's a big, it's, when mm. God calls us, he calls our life. When God calls us, he calls for your life. Bring me your life. Mm-hmm. He just gave that thing to me. He, give me your life. Give me your heart, your way of thinking. Give me all of you. Give me the expression of who you are, everything about you. I need you. I need your life.